Uh, Father, as we uh, move on in the book of Zechariah, there is so much we need to keep learning about ourselves and about you. Please help us to not only learn, but to live out what we learn through the power of your spirit, mightily at work in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, friends, uh, I don't know about you, but uh, I like the verses about how our Lord promises to bless his people one day or do good things for them now. And I don't think I'm alone on this one. Uh, yes, give me God's blessings any day, but God's judgments? I guess many of us aren't sure about that latter one. Perhaps as things uh, increasingly become difficult in Australia for faithful Christians, we might change our mind and want to see God's judgments, but then again, I'm not sure. Yes, God's blessings are what we usually like to hear about. And what we have here and in the next chapter are two very important chapters indeed. This chapter and the next perhaps summarise much of the Bible. This chapter, chapter 7, basically tells us what we're like. And the next chapter, chapter 8, basically tells us what God is like. And today we are looking at what we are like. Well, if you are a God's blessings sort of person, you may as well leave now <laughs> and come back next week. As chapter 8 of Zechariah is about that one. But chapter 7 today's passage is certainly not, yes, certainly not about blessings. But one needs to understand what we are really like to understand how good God is. Today, well, um, COVID has probably temporarily changed things. We usually scatter uh, because of chosen travel. Yes, we have it very good in the West. But back then, God's people scattered because of his judgment. And for 70 years, most of them were scattered. That's a long time. That's a whole generation of people at least. And sadly, some of them, perhaps another generation of people coming through, simply did not learn from their parents' wayward lives. That is how they continued to not listen to what God repeatedly said to them through his word and through his prophets. I therefore need to ask all of us a question. Do we always listen to what God says? And therefore, do we always do what God says? Yes, do we diligently obey him? Anyway, uh, let's get into this and see what the go is, as well as learn for ourselves what we need to do today, living on this side of the cross. Well, uh, we'll start by reading the first three, chap uh, three verses of Zechariah, not chapters, <laughs> the first three verses of Zechariah, chapter 7. They are not on the screen, so you will need to, your phone or paper or to listen very carefully. Uh, in the fourth year of King Darius, the word of the Lord came to Zechariah on the fourth day of the ninth month, the month of Kislev. 
The people of Bethel had sent Shereza and Regan Melech, and we reckon names today are difficult to pronounce, <laughs> uh, together with their men uh, to entreat the Lord by asking the priests of the house of the Lord Almighty and the prophets, should I mourn and fast in the, seventh, in the fifth month as I've done for so many years? So as I said last week, I love the specific details uh, in the Holy Scriptures and here they are again. We are specifically told when this happened. Are we specifically told who said it? And we are specifically told what they said. So where are we at with all of this? The work on rebuilding the temple, a special place where God met with his people, is now well advanced. And it makes sense that questions are now being asked about what the go will be once the temple is finished. In particular, will the pattern of religious observances for the past 70 years remain the same or will they change? So enter a group of guys from Bethel, a town about 20 kilometres north of Jerusalem. Many say that Bethlehem itself was named after this town. And so probably the leader of these dudes, on behalf of their community, in the first person, asks the question, should I mourn and fast in the fifth month as I have done for so many years? And friends, that seems to be a good question. Now, firstly, this fast, as indeed some of the fasts mentioned a little later, does not seem to be commanded by God. At one level, no different to Acts 13.2 when some of God's people got together and worshipped and fasted. They just did it and did it for all those years. In saying that they decided to fast, I think it was a good idea. They fasted, it seems, because the temple had been destroyed and God's people did this for 70 years. They mourned and fasted in the fifth month because that was when the temple was destroyed. They were very upset. But, and I do love that word. <laughs> but the newly constructed temple is just about completed. So if we've been fasting and mourning all these years because the temple had been destroyed, I guess we can stop fasting now as the temple has just about been rebuilt. That's basically what's going on here. And so this group from Bethel have come before the church leaders of the day, the priests and the prophets, and asked that very question. Well, let's now see the reply. I love many things, uh, including a yes or no reply. I'm not into grey. <laughs> I prefer black and white. But I have this strange feeling, like when others ask Jesus a question, they might not get a yes or a no reply, and especially not if the Lord himself replies. So please have a look now at verses 4 to 7. And then the word of the Lord Almighty came to me, that is to Zechariah. So the Lord himself is replying. Ask all the people of the land and the priests. When you fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh months, for the past 70 years, was it really for me that you fasted? 
And when you're eating and drinking, were you not just feasting for yourselves? Are these not the words the Lord proclaimed through the earlier prophets when Jerusalem and its surrounding towns were at rest and prosperous and the Negev and the western foothills were settled? So the reply has come back in two questions, not a yes or a no. And one can sense here that the Lord Almighty is not a happy chap. What is inferred here is that their fast and mourning during the exile was no different to their eating and drinking before this 70-year exile. They weren't doing either of them for the right reason. They should have been acknowledging the Lord Almighty and therefore his people, not themselves. And at this point, we're not sure what the Lord specifically means by that. Like how does one actually eat or fast to him and his people? Now please have a look with me at what the Lord goes on to say. We're up to verses 8 to 10. And the word of the Lord came again to Zechariah. Uh, this is what the Lord Almighty said, administer true justice, show mercy and compassion to one another, do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the foreigner, or in some translations the stranger, or the poor, do not plot evil against each other. And so instead of a yes or no answer to their question, They've been hit through Zechariah with two further questions and a statement of fair dinkum faith. That is, and it is inferred very strongly, what they should have been doing. But obviously not, even though they were repeatedly told to do so. Yes, this is all about how one should treat others. Others. They were just focused on themselves and their predicament. I suppose it begs a question for us. Are we too focused on ourselves and our predicaments, however good or bad they are, at the expense of our thoughts for others? Like they had been both feasting and fasting, yet not caring fathers. And that is what mattered. One can mourn all we want, one can fast all we want, and it means nothing to the Lord if one is not thinking about and therefore treating others properly. And we're told here what they should have been doing, but we're ignoring what he had already said in his commands and were ignoring what he warned them through his prophets. So how should one treat others? One should show justice, not show favoritism. One should show mercy, not give people what they deserve. One should show compassion, for, feel for them, help them, rather than think of oneself and one's predicament. One should help the vulnerable, the widow, the orphan, the poor, one should show hospitality to the stranger, not walk on the other side of the road to keep them at a distance. And one should certainly not devise evil schemes to justify oneself 
and therefore put others in a bad light. And so what did the Lord Almighty do because of how poorly they were treating one another? And so what did the Lord Almighty do because they were just thinking of themselves rather than the other person? Because that is what it comes down to, hence why he says, weren't you just doing all this for yourselves? Yes, sadly, this was a generation of people who just thought about me, me, me. Not much has changed, has it? Well, what uh, was the Lord Almighty's response? Please have a look at verses 11 to 14. His response. But they refused to pay attention. Stubbornly they turned their backs and covered their ears. They made their hearts as hard as flint and would not listen to the law or to the words that the Lord Almighty had sent his spirit through the earlier prophets. So the Lord Almighty was very angry. And how did he show his anger, his wrath? When I called, they did not listen. So when they called, I would not listen, says the Lord Almighty. So if I know you're asking God for help, you won't lift a finger to help others, especially those who really need help. So I scatter them with a whirlwind among all the nations where they were strangers. The land they left behind them was so desolate that no one travelled through it. This is how they made the pleasant land desolate. Well, sir. We see here at least, I think, two things that we in this generation really need to hear as some things sadly don't change. What are we like? We can be so, so, so selfish. At one level, yes, at one level, living on this side of the cross has not changed things. Actually, that was why the cross was needed in the first place. If anything, it's not that we can be so, so, so selfish. We are. I warned you, this is not a chapter about blessings. <laughs> Come back next week. It's no wonder that one of the two, very two things that Jesus said to people, a prerequisite to follow him is, you must deny what? <laughs> You must deny self or oneself. Matthew 16, Mark 8 and Luke 9. Yes, to follow Jesus, one must deny oneself and take up one's cross. They are the two things and they are not optional. In other words, we are to think of others first and we are to make sacrifices. That is to be our born-again lifestyle. We're certainly not to go back into the default of the flesh of just thinking about oneself and one's predicament, good or bad. And Jesus epitomised those things, didn't he? There is not a minuscule of width of hypocrisy on his part. He didn't say something that he didn't do. Did he deny himself? Yes, completely. 
And did he take up his cross? <laughs> yes, completely. Friends, one of the things central to our fallenness is that we can be so, so, so selfish. It's something that we need to repent of daily. And thankfully, we can find forgiveness on the cross if we sincerely repent of it. Yes, we naturally put ourselves first. That's what we naturally do. That's what we naturally do in our fallen state. Me first. And we therefore think of ourselves first, ignore the needs of those around us and tend to do whatever it takes to justify oneself rather than admit to anything. Yes, it's all me, me, me. I, I, I. We even name things and name companies after it. We do. And we see this especially in the West today, where our thinking has increasingly become, don't tell me what to do. I'll do whatever I want. And people do. It has become so blatant these days. That's what's, that's what's changed. It used to be subtle, but not anymore. There used to be a, a fear of the Lord. Watch an old movie. <laughs> it used to be a fear of the Lord or simply a fear of someone restraining some of this stuff, but not anymore. If anything, me first, believe in oneself, is what is promoted. And so rather than do what God wants, we do what we want. And quite blatantly, for example, and it was told to me recently, it's my body, so I'll do whatever I want. And it's a cry of so many people today. It's actually the natural cry of all of our hearts. And so just like God's people of old, we don't always treat others as we should. And his response, some things don't change. <laughs> he therefore has every right to be angry. After all, he is holy, holy, holy. And in the end, showed that anger, that wrath through the punishment that his son received on the cross for us. And that is why we can now find forgiveness for our selfishness if only we look to him and experience his love for us that brought all of that about. So, how have you treated others this week? Have you treated others fairly? Or have you got some favourites? Have you shown mercy to people? Or just given them what they deserve? Have you been compassionate, felt for them and their needs and helped out? Have you had a visitor walk into your life who needed to make, and you needed to make some sacrifices to help them to do the right thing? Are you caring for someone in your family? And I hope we haven't planned anything sinister against someone. <laughs> you know, when you think about it, it's obvious that if we have been made in the image of God, and we have, and if we need to return to it, and we do, that this is how we are to now live out our born-again lives. We are to treat others well, 
including repenting for the times when we put ourselves first again. The second thing we are like is this. We can be so, so, so hard. In verse 12 of this chapter, we are told that God's people made their their hearts as hard as flint and therefore would not listen to his prophets, let alone listen to him. And so the Lord Almighty, we're told, was very angry. Yes, we can be so, so, so hard. Yes, God's people of old in the main suffered as they did through these 70 years of exile because they hardened their hearts toward him. And this new generation seems represented by these guys from Bethel might be going to do the very same thing. (laughs) They weren't sure. It's no wonder that we need a new heart today. As our old ones like to be flint or stone towards the things of God. Ezekiel 36, 26. But even with a new heart, our flesh doesn't like to be told what to do. And so if we're not careful, we can allow our flesh to have its way and to therefore prevent the new heart, the gift of the Holy Spirit now given to those who follow Jesus from having his way in how we should care for others. You know, sometimes I wish God had given followers of Jesus a new heart and some new flesh. (laughs) But that will come one day. In the meantime, he wants us to choose Choose to learn what's involved in loving him and therefore in loving others. I'll finish with uh, two verses from the New Testament that pretty much sum up what we've been looking at today. They are two verses from our second Bible reading and the verses are James 1.22 and James 1.27. Now, firstly, James 1.22. We're told, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Yes, don't harden yourself towards God's word. On the contrary, remain humble, be penitent, and always do what he says. And in verse 27, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. I wonder what you might think should now follow this colon. It's not what some of us might expect. Yes, religion that God our Father accepts is this, colon, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Yes, friends, we are to look after each other and especially those who do it tough. And that usually involves sacrifices. And we are to keep oneself from being polluted by the world, a world so polluted that it keeps saying, me first, and show no mercy. Uh, I called this sermon True Fasting, and it's actually about that. But true fasting is not just about denying oneself from food. It's about denying oneself. 
full stop. Amen. Thank you all.